And all right. Uh, so give us a second here. This is what the kids call the pre-roll. Yep. And then. Um, uh, greetings, y'all, and uh, welcome to the first F-Sharp Digital Music Monthly Podcast. Uh, my name's Ken. I'm your host. Yo. Uh, this episode, our premiere episode, we were lucky enough to talk to Benji Rogers of Pledge Music as our first guest. What doth Pledge Music do? Hmm. I guess a good way to put it is increasing fan engagement at the point of creation of records, which is a whole new concept if you think about it. So without further ado... Benji Rogers. Start this by saying hello. Hello, Benji. I'm sitting here with uh, Benji Rogers uh, of Pledge Music, founder of Pledge Music. I'm going to take these headphones out because it's... I'm sitting here with Ken Richards, who's wearing headphones. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's kind of a trip, man. There's no way to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, why don't we start in the... Uh, why don't we start... Why don't we talk about Marwood? Um why don't you give me a little kind of brief history of that, and then we'll go into what happened. After. I haven't spoken about Marwood in a long time. So um, Marwood was the result of, I originally had a band called the Ben Rogers Band, and um, uh, it was felt that it was way too egotistical to continue with a band named, misnamed slightly after me, because my name is Ben G. We had a, a whole management conversation whereby Ben G was not quite uh, a rock star name, so we should go with Ben Rogers, and it's like the most common name in history and country, so it was like, that. So we were sitting in a, a, a Robbie and I, the guitar player who'd kind of been consistently in my life throughout all of um, all of uh, my bands. We were kind of arguing back and forth over like it shouldn't be a solo name, it should be a band name, and it was kind of becoming a band. And um, so the only name, and then you have like three months of stupid names, you know, uh, and it's ours and it's fun and it becomes like, why don't we call ourselves Flood Gravel or, you know, like, you know, you know, Dairy Chasm or something, <laughs> whatever. And uh, Is anyone using Dairy Chasm? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I bet there's an entire blog devoted to it. <laughs> um, so... Uh, with Nail and I, one of our favorite films ever, and the film With Nail and I, I's name is Marwood. And so if you bought the script, which we did, um, you would look and you would see that, you know, uh, it's, it's With Nail, Marwood, With Nail, Marwood. So all the dialogue was that. So Marwood is actually that name. And so very few people got that reference. Um, and then it became that. So anyway, so Marwood was, um, uh, uh, we existed from around 2002 till... Uh, the kind of the final spurt or uh, sputtering um, around two, around th two and a half years ago when we played like a kind of one of our many final shows, um, and uh, yeah, and it was it was a, a mixture of players. We we um, we had different bass players and different drummers, but the core was always myself and Robbie, and um, uh, and now um, and then I suddenly was like you know, had this idea for Pledge, and I had this thought, this romantic notion that I could do both, that you could do the band and then the music. And the last show we played, I was on a computer backstage working on a campaign for a band, got on stage, played, got off, and pretty much carried on on the computer. And I was like, this won't work. And, you know, and at the rehearsal room, I'm sitting there fielding you know, questions. And sadly, um, uh, he's not expiring, he's just coughing. It's okay. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, so, uh, and so, yeah, so it was time to, I couldn't, I couldn't half do music. It just wasn't possible. It, it deserved more than that. And I, I have this notion that I'll, I'll get back to it. Um, but uh, yeah, for now, I. You know, I think in life you, you, you get given gifts 
one gift was being a musician and I loved it and I still love playing but um, the other gift is in helping musicians and that was kind of so that was the transition point so uh, I just got asked on my Reddit AMA you know <laughs> when's the next Marwood coming out Marwood album coming out that's really funny yeah so that was pretty funny so um, you know So you're sitting around one day, you're like, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to help other musicians get money from their fans before the record's out. Yeah. Um, when was that? Where was that eureka moment? I wish it was that romantic. Um, I was 34. I was living on an air mattress in my mom's spare room, um, married and penniless. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I, I'd... I'd I'd, um, I'd had thousands of CDs made. I'd sold thousands of CDs. Like it, it had gone very w as well, um, but it wasn't going to go. There was a moment where it was kind of like, something's not going to connect here. And um, so I'm lying on an air mattress in my mom's spare room. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I just bolt up, and I'm like, holy shit, artists, fans, charities. And I just saw it. And I, I wanted to go to bed because I was supposed to fly to Amsterdam the next day to play a show. But I was like, no, it's got to. I got to. I got to work. I got to work on this. So I, I come downstairs and I pull out my old MacBook and um, I start to. Uh, um, I had this sudden idea, like I'll build it on iWeb. How hard could it be? And then I was like, maybe I should look for this, see if anyone else has built it. And uh, I looked around the web and I saw Celeban, Slice the Pie, Band Stocks. They were all based around the principle of just, you know, artist says to fans, give me money. It was really just like a, a funding platform. And I, I re that wasn't really what was appealing to me. What I was seeing in my head was that there would be this private dialogue that went on between artists and fans. And uh, that you could give a part of the profits to a charity. And I worked with refugees in the Middle East in 2004 briefly. And so the charity component was big on my mind. And Amnesty was a big, you know, I, I had an inspiring story from a guy I met who dealt with Amnesty. And at the time, piracy was really rampant still. Like, so that, or, or it was you know, still rampant, but it was, it was talked about as the, you know, the death knell of the industry. So, so, so what was interesting was, is I thought to myself, pirates and traditionally people who would go out of their way to download these quote unquote legal files were cheap anyway. And so they wouldn't pledge money to help get an album made and then steal the proceeds and share it with their friends. So it was a really it was an interesting one. And then if they were that cold, to then take money out of a potential charity's hand was one leap too far. So it kind of checked all these boxes. Whereas <laughs> like, you know, because the vision for Pledge was is that an artist would say to their fans, be a part of the making of my album. And I will share with you this interior kind of blog space, which would have, you know, rough mixes, live tracks, demos, video blogs, and that you can give part of the profits to a charity of your choice. 
So the buy-in was for that experience. So if a, if, a, if a band posted an unreleased track, you didn't want it to go on Tom sites. You didn't want it to go out there. So you had to create reasons for it not to do so. And to this day, touch wood, wood is being touched. It has almost not happened. I mean, in the, you know, you know we, we, we released 60 albums last month. And, and I think we've had one or two instances where something's wound up. And then because of the pledge site, you just email them and you say, hey, bring a d like, you know, <laughs> and it works <laughs> and they stop seeding it. So it was one of those things. But, but from the early days, I just had this thought that, you know, who the f is going to buy a CD in 2015? Like, why, why would they do it? Like, like, and then I was also struck with this thing, and I, I sometimes dream of it. It's this big play button. It's just a triangle. It just says play. And you can do it endlessly <laughs> for anything. And you're saying to yourself, you could pay $12 for this piece of 1980s plastic disc technology that gets sent to you in a broken case that gets shipped from a warehouse. Or you could hit play an infinite number of times and have a better experience. You know, streaming platforms are evolving to become a better experience than putting a compact disc into a player. Um, and then vinyl is a whole different universe, which I love. So I wanted to create reasons for fans to be involved in the making of albums, not just ways. Because there are plenty of ways to watch on Twitter and Facebook, and there are plenty of ways to, to buy. But why? Why in God's name would I put my credit, would I go through the pain point of signing up for something that I can have for free? Right. And so when, you, when, you, when you're confronted with... Um, you know, competing with free, you have to come up with a reason that someone would pay for something that they could get for free. Right. Piracy was telling you something. It was saying, we want to go deeper. We want a more immersive experience. You know, think of it, the madness of it. I, I met, I met um, uh, uh, Rupert, our co-founder, has a bar. Someone who worked at his bar, I said, how do you get your music? And she said at the time, my hard drive swap. She said, I've got 30,000 songs on a hard drive, and once a month I delete them all and start again. And what I realized was, is what, she, what does she want? She can get the music, but what every one of those 30,000 songs on her hard drive failed to do was connect with her, with that artist. So she didn't view it as, this is Black Rebel Motorcycle Club's album I am listening to. She viewed it as, I like that song, I'm gonna play it. Mm -hmm. And then it was disposable to her. But if she were to bond with that artist in some way, let's say here's an unreleased track, and that artist literally via our system emailed it to her, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like, wow, that band thought to themselves, how does this fan want to get their music, their communication from me. My thoughts at the time weren't as evolved as this, but what I really knew was is that there was a common thread and that where we were as a music consuming culture was not sustainable four years ago. It's not sustainable for an artist now. And the, uh, the mission is critical because it costs money to get four musicians from New York to Boston. And it costs money to get them back in a van. Right. And so how do you do that if people are hitting play on a, on a button that infinitely allows them to do that? It's funny that you kind of bring that up because one of the things I hear all day long is because of the amount of streaming, mm -hmm. it's back to this number, right? Like, like you mentioned with hard drive swapping, it, it stopped being about what was on your hard drive. Yep. It was more about how many songs are on your hard drive. Yep. And with every streaming service, uh, we have 
million number of tracks. There is no connection to it, it's just this number. And so part of my question to you is, do you think that something like Pledge, which allows people to connect with the artist yeah. on a kind of a visceral level, do you think that uh, is helped or hindered, or does it help or hinder people's perception of music being made by actual humans? Streaming services represent the past. And the reason they do so is, is because everything that goes up into their service had to go through an aggregator and was already made. So there's no real timeness to it. And the, the reveal of the new albums up online, it's kind of like, oh, wow. They, they, they moved one cloud server to another and that was the, the thing. <laughs> and, and so like, you know, you know think of what the, one of the biggest announcements that Spotify had. Led Zeppelin's now on Spotify. When was the last time Led Zeppelin made a new album? You know what I mean? Like, like now it's not bad, but think about it, right? So, um, I, I think the point that you're scratching towards and that I'm getting towards are, are um, the the pledge streaming hybrid is the game changer. The first streaming service that allows us to surface pledge campaigns in the streaming skin changes the game because right now there's an artist whose music's on streaming. And it's driving them crazy because it's an album that was made seven years ago. The royalty's being paid through to a label that doesn't exist anymore. And they're like, and I'm making a new album today, and you're listening to my old one, and you don't know that I'm making a new album. Mm -hmm. Allow me to tell you. So picture this, right? Artist launches pledge campaign. And when you're listening, so like, we got the Buzzcock, sorry, not the Buzzcocks. We got Buzzcocks on the platform now. There is no the. Okay. So Buzzcocks right now. So if you're listening to Orgasm Addict. Well, you tried it just for once, find it all right for kicks. But now you find out that it's a habit that sticks and you're an Orgasm Addict. You're an Orgasm Addict. You have no idea that there is a campaign to be a part of the making of the new album. That you could buy a handwritten lyric sheet of that song from the band. So imagine if you're playing a song and all of a sudden you get a notification that says, hey, Pledge you to be part of the making of the new Buzzcocks album, and you could get, boom, you go in, you're still listening to it, you pledge, you come back out again, and then imagine the game changer of the pledges on the updates surfacing. So all of a sudden, you're listening to this thing in real time. Because the other solution that people had for that problem, right, was yeah. they would go back in and re-record the hit single as a new version, assuming that would surface the top. One of the things I think of when I think of this is uh, Jimmy Bohorn. any of the streaming services and look up yep. Jimmy Bohorn, what you get is all of these... Everyone's done this, by the way. Well, all right. You, you should, because uh, Spank is a pretty good song. Uh, there's a lot of good Jimmy... But go look for Jimmy yep. Bohorn. But the what you get is all of these new recordings yep. of the hit, yep. right? Um, and I always thought, well, that can't be the solution. No, it's not. It's I mean, not. you know, and, and the streaming services also at this point have an artist problem. And the problem is, is that um, I... I, if I drive people to, to, to Spotify, Beats, Audio, you name it, and not to iTunes, the chances of them committing commerce with me 
are radically reduced. Right. And that's not to say it's bad and you shouldn't have your music on Spotify or any of these services, but you need to have it um, as part of a coherent strategy. So um, I was at a John Fulbright show, and you should listen should to John in, Fulbright yes. today. He's awesome. Six long days, seventh day he rested, said there's one sure way. Humans can be bested, give them wine and song, fire and lust. And I'm, I'm listening to him at CMJ last year, and I'm like, this guy's f***ing good, it breaks my heart. So I've got on my phone, RDO and iTunes next to each other. And I say, here's the problem. If I look him up on, on RDO, I will add it to a playlist and I will listen to it. Mm -hmm. Probably 30 times. Mm -hmm. Let's say that at the maximum, I listen to it 30 times. If I buy it on iTunes, I'll listen to it 30 times. Now, he'll get iTunes match money mm -hmm. when I listen to it all those times, but he'll also get the $6.35 that goes through to his label, then it goes on and on. As it happens, I liked it so much, I bought the album right there and then. But the key there was, is just that how many people wouldn't? And I thought to myself, if there were 30 other people in that room who took the other route, right. what's left on the table? Now, I'm not saying that we go back. That's the, the cat's out of the bag, the, you know, there's no point. But, um, we, but if John Fulbright gives me a reason beyond just the fact that I want to support him, and if you create a way for someone to I don't know why I call it committing commerce all the time. It's like a dirty word. But like, if you, if you let me get involved, I can. If you, all you give me is a play button, that's all I can do. Right. And imagine this, and this is a challenge, and everyone should try this. Try and give your favorite artist, one that you love, 100 bucks, without seeing them in person. Try and give them 100 bucks. See if there's a way online that you could physically give them $100, yeah. and it's impossible. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. And I think that we are in a minority of people who... So imagine this. Imagine if what you, you'd seen surfaced uh, beside that, um, uh, you could pledge it for a test pressing, signed by the band. And, then, you, and then, then you're betting in your head, like, dude, if this band breaks the way I think they will, so, so or, or imagine if you could be like, you know, so, so like Mike Doty from, from the former singer from Soul Coffee and now solo artist, he did the thing he called, he offered a private show, a very private show, and the most private show. <laughs> and then he offered things like smash a guitar on stage, smash his guitar on stage with him. He, he, he has a mug collection. He's been collecting mugs. And for 250 bucks, you could buy his incredibly large mug collection. No, really, it's very large. So again, when... What the average consumer sees is 99 cents, 99 cents or dollar twenty nine, dollar twenty nine, whatever it is, right. and there's that's it, right. and that's just pure commerce, and you are dealing with consumers. If you send me as a super fan to that, I want to buy your fucking mugs. Right. Let me buy your mugs. Right. Let me buy that, and so let me have the yeah. And Nielsen estimates that 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 customer represents $2.6 billion per year left on the table by the US music industry. Because Ken Richards sitting here cannot commit highbrow commerce with the artist that he wants to. Right. It's just, you gotta ask yourself as an artist, like what has a more sustainable future? Right. And you can't sign 10,000, well you could sign 10,000 things, but it wouldn't make them a special. But like, you know, you, you play the margin of the super fan to your advantage. And what you do is you say, people like me will gladly 
and proudly show my, like, you know, I've got the Birdie Bush and the Greatest Night test pressing and I got a signed vinyl and it's beautiful and I've shown it to 50 people and I've said, you gotta hear this album because when you watch Birdie make this, she's the nicest person in the world and she's from Philadelphia and they have the flyers and they hate them, but that's, you know, you, you forgive uh, painful things. But so yeah, so it's, um, it's stories. It's a good and, thing none of your bands are from Calgary. Oh, uh, well, you know. Actually, wait, there is one. Flames, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm what, sure there is. I Winnipeg, think there is someone. Maybe. Oh, we got some Winnipeg. Yeah. Oh, no, I have a whole, I have a whole Canadian, Canadian rivalry that's beautiful. <laughs> you know, call me when you're in the Stanley Cup, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember your first pledge campaign? Yes, because it was mine. It was. Right. <laughs> it was to make my first EP. Um, yeah, no, it was um, one of the things that 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 made um, the way that pledge operates, the way that we run it, special and, and important was is that I've done it, and it's a really scary thing to hit that launch button. Um, so scary that I actually hit it two hours early by accident because um, uh, I was I was like, should I push it now? Should I push it now? Um, and taking on board that. Uh, we don't take it lightly. We, we really don't. And we, we spend the time to get it right because we didn't know a huge amount when we were going into it. And the first campaign was pretty, you know, I walked into the studio and it was paid for. The manufacturing was paid for. And all I had to do was record. And all that pressure's off. You're just kind of like, oh, just go make a record now. And, and you know, had it not worked, I would have been seriously reconsidered. You know, we had the... We had the plan you know what happens if 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 even the the founder of the damn company can't make his record work but luckily it did and it was all good and you know I, you know i had like you know my wife's grandparents trying to send us a check they couldn't figure out how to use the internet and i'm like well we have to worry about that like you know if someone wants to do it so now we can help that with that the other campaigns that rolled out one of the biggest ones we saw was uh, an artist named tina Dico, and um she did a campaign for a soundtrack for a danish film uh, the road to gavel and um, it was amazing because she sold out Shepherd's Bush Empire while the campaign was live. And like her updates were her in the cab on the way to the soundcheck. It was like perfect. Wow. And um, it raised close to $100,000 in pre-orders for wow. a record for a soundtrack. And that was from 1,300 fans. That's incredible. And, um, and it was a remarkable thing. And you know, and then it just started to build from there. And one of the things that we didn't want was just to have a mass platform where everyone came on and tried to just do stuff. We wanted to definitely keep it um, for everybody. And uh, uh, we want to keep it for everybody, but also a success rate was important. And I saw that on you know, most crowdfunding sites, that was like you know, a 5% success rate or a 3% success rate. I'm like, I don't want to run a crowdfunding site. I don't want anything to do with crowdfunding if that's the thing. And we, we basically, if we work with the band ANR-wise, if we go in and do it, we have a 90% success rate in hitting the target and exceeding it by 30%. That's incredible. It's game-changing. As you say, like most crowdsourced or crowdfunded projects don't have any A&R into it. Yeah. Um, and it might be useful to explain what A&R is to... A&R is um, uh, not sharing your contacts with people, showing up late. A&R um, flu is when you've been out doing drugs all night. Um, and 
Yeah. All joking aside, yeah. uh, it was artist and repertoire and helped guide the artist and also yeah. helped find the songs for them to record. And, and great A&R men and women um, have been the deciding factor in massive and brilliant albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and the great A&R people are the ones that literally sit there and listen and will be like, you know what, you, you need to work with this producer. You need to find this great engineer. Or um, uh, and and the truly great ones are the ones that would discover a, a gem in the rubble, you know, and and um, uh, you know who be at pianos at two thirty in the morning and be like, I've seen this band, and they will bet the farm to make it work. Right. And it's it's a rare skill right now, and we're lucky to have some phenomenal A and R people on team. And what we do is, it's a very different thing, but um, a lot of the A and R teams have said. Like, we don't just have to go and fit that narrow window of what a label needs. We can go for, you know, an artist will come in and say, I've decided to stop making regular albums and I've written a symphony. Um, can we do a pledge campaign for it? And the NR person goes, yes, you can. As opposed to, I love that idea. Have you considered writing a single that's at this BPM, uh, has a bunch of vocal harmonizer on it and auto-tune, um, and is produced by X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, because what used to happen was is A&R man's job was to tell someone, I think you're brilliant, but you're too fat. I think you're brilliant, but you're the wrong color. I think you're brilliant, but you're, you, you know, you're, you know, on and on. And, well, and number one yeah. is, I don't hear a single. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that was the whole thing. So, you know, the beauty of it is, is that we get to go and find artists that want to do strange things. And oftentimes that's what fans respond to. You know, we were working with um, uh, Casey from Deer Hunter and he's like, he wants to go to, to the Czech Republic and record a record with, um, uh, uh, with an orchestra. Why not? Why not? And George Benson wants to record the songs of Nat and Cole with an orchestra. Why Let's not? do this. And George Benson is in USA Today talking about how finally I have a way to engage with my fans. And I'm like, if he can do it, and if, you know, like, it's, this is, this is the thing is, is like, the A&R teams used to be stuck by you know, their boss saying to them, we need to sign five skinny jean indie bands that sound like, you know, Vampire Weekend, go. And that was their gig. And now they're able to sit there and say, hey, remember when we talked about that really, really obscure weird, weird album that, you could, that could only exist on, on, um, on 12-inch 45 RPM vinyl? We're going to do it. Right. Let's go make this happen. Right. And the more adventurous and challenging it is, the fans respond to that because they're not just going through the rote process of you know make album tour make, you know uh, or, or you know find single find single so there's an entire I call it the business of making music and the music business uh, the, the the biggest opportunity for the music business for me is in the business of making music because that's the exciting part and I view um, there used to be two frontiers in music which was the reveal of the album and then there would be the tour the reveal on the tour the reveal on the tour We've opened up a third, and the third is, and it's an entire frontier, is the making of the album. And an artist is more interesting to anybody when they are making an album than when they are selling an album. So the key is is that it becomes a series of reveals. And you can have a six-month campaign while a band is making an album, and it's urgent, sweaty, weird, they're fucking things up, they're, you know, all, it's like a VH1 behind the music, for those of you who remember what those are, but happening in real time. Right. And um, I was just described to me this way that like, no, I described it to someone this way, I think it was. When I get a demo from an artist that I love sent to me, you know, um, I get like goosebumps, I get chills. I'm like, wow, have they come up with like, what? It's a, it's a moment. 
And I was like, why can't fans have that? Why can't fans be in some small way part of it? You have to give it all away. Mm-hmm. But just the thought that you said, what would my fans like? Mm-hmm. What would they want? Opens up a whole new can of worms. And as it turns out, the regular record industry struggles to sell 99 cent downloads and the average pledger globally spends around $64 per transaction. Right. So one is worth a hell of a lot fucking more than the other. Yes, absolutely. You know. And then, you know, I also don't necessarily... Well, how do you... You don't see yourself as being separate from the system that's there as much as a way to help the major label system that's yeah. still whatever bits of it. So maybe if you have a second to talk about that, that would be... Great, because when you mentioned people like George Benson, or I was saying that Ricky Lee Jones is uh, doing a pledge, yeah. or Ginger f-ing Baker for that. I know, right? I mean, that's just f-ing insane. And we've done Jack Bruce. And Jack Bruce. All we're missing is that one guitar player bloke, well, and we should be fine. I hear he'll yeah. be around anytime. He likes yeah. to follow what other people yeah. do. <laughs> His words. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim, well, so, yeah. well, just, you know, do you ever see a point where the majors will come and want to partner with you? They, um, the marketing teams at most of the labels really want to do this, and the sales teams really want to do it. And the sales teams will look under a flower pot to see if there's another sale to be had. And um, what cr- what crushes me is is that there's there's unbelievably talented marketing teams at major and indie labels who could be making a lot more money elsewhere, but they do it because they love it, and they'll have these incredible interactive fan engaging ideas, and. It'll come down to, I love the idea, that's fantastic. Why don't we instead release a single six weeks out, uh, premiere a video somewhere on a blog, and then do pre-orders on iTunes and Amazon, and do, you know, show something up on our website to sell? And so, so one of the things that we've seen is, is like um, uh, the, the labels are embracing it now. And labels like 30 Tigers and Cooking Vinyl and Moshi Moshi and, um, uh, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, to their credit, Sony and Universal have, and Warners are all running campaigns with us or have done at certain times. And for them, it's just a paradigm shift. You know, the, when, when you've done something the same way for 50 years or 70 years, which is like, you know, single album, really single album release, and you want to change that, it's very hard. The mechanics aren't set up to do so. So we had to do a lot of work, like chart eligibility, digital fulfillment, physical fulfillment. We had to fit into all those systems. And what the crowdfunding companies did was just basically say, let's just you know, add, add donate buttons on pages. Right. Whereas we were like, no, hang on a minute. But if, you, if you're gonna, you know, if, if you've only got licenses for, you know, for all territories except Germany, how do you geo-block Germany from that? You know, like, and we don't like to do it, but these are practical realities of the music industry. So we had to build all the tools around it. And um, a lot of times crowdfunding companies are trying to do, um, trying to work with labels and like, oh, just, just look at what does well on our sites and that's who you should sign A&R wise. Right. And it's like, you know, it's, that's not the way you go. Um, the great partnerships with the labels are where the creative A&R people and the marketing people get to do what they've always wanted. And they're not subject to the same rules and restraints. Because if you launch a pledge campaign to make an album, it can be profitable before anyone's heard it. And then you spend the rest of the money on marketing. You're not trying to ha- you know, eke your margin at a, a basically you know, massively diminished retail market. Why should iTunes, Amazon, and retail control the artist's customers? You know, I. I Apple takes 30% of every digital download sold and keeps the customer data. 
how does the label re-reach that customer through Apple? Right. And so, so what it is is labels, are, and, you know, so what I want Pledge to become is the iTunes of direct-to-fan. And, um, and so again, you send super fans to, app, to Apple, Amazon, iTunes, and it's not that they're bad, it's just, you know, think of it. They'll get there if they want it, mm -hmm. but get them first. Mm -hmm. you know, so the labels are embracing it, and, and it's a hard road, but I, my, my, my big, hairy, audacious goal, to quote Jim Collins, is that in two years' time, people will look back and not remember why they ever released albums the way that they did before, and that every album will be. I want, I want A&R and label executives to be saying, well, he's in the studio. Why isn't the Pledge campaign live? I don't understand. Not the album's made. He's in the studio. Why aren't we selling this album right now? I don't understand. But what's the problem here? Because that's the last frontier. And it's the future. That's what it looks like. I, I, I agree. Great. So we've solved so it. We've, there you go. Nothing more to do. Let's go drink. Yeah. I've um, enjoyed this. Well, that's it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, thanks to Benji for giving us some of his time and for all the folks at F-Sharp for making this possible. Come back next month when we will have a new interview with a new person. In the meantime, go pledge, support your favorite artist, support artists you don't know, and a shameless plug for truck fighters and temples. That's it. See you later. <laughs>